this is a great Sunday, and for those of you who don't know, this is the, the end of a series that we that I've been doing called uh, um, "Get Your Game On Too." You know, sports stories, life lessons from the wide wide world of sports and so forth. And and and, and up until this, I've been using different people and things like that. But we're just going to talk about perspective this morning because this is a good time to talk about um, Super Bowl Sunday. They, you know, it's the most. Uh, watch TV show every year, and we're not talking by a little bit, but by a whole lot. And it's just, uh, there are people and, and who are just obsessed with football or with baseball or with sports in general. And uh, and that really kind of begs the question, which I've already said two or three times, uh, sort of building up to this point, and that is, when does a diversion turn into an obsession, and, and, and what happens with that, and, and how do we handle that, and what do we do about that? Um, a diversion isn't bad, and we need to understand that a diversion basically just means uh, an amusement or a pastime, according to one, de- one definition, in, or at least part of a definition in one dictionary, and, and that's good. That's not a bad thing at all. Uh, however, far Far too many people allow that diversion, and you know you don't need me to tell you this, but they allow that diversion, whether it be sports or whether it be something else, which we need to talk about, um, to sidetrack them from the really important issues, the priority issues of life. This is a mess. This is a long. This this is a message that needs to be dealt with. Really, it's been a long time coming, and I think. I don't normally say this about myself, but I'm going to say, I don't think, you, you can't just get this message from anybody. Because if, if I weren't, for instance, I'm, I'm a sports fan. You, you know, if you've come here more than once, you know that. I, 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 I have crossed over a few times into the obsessive world of, of sports. I, I watch SportsCenter before I watch the news. Who wouldn't? And, 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 and so forth. So what, what I'm saying is, this, this is a message that you... I think the right person has to deliver. I think I'm the right person because I'm right there with you. And I understand that if some geek were up here, some dork who didn't like sports, yeah, I don't, I don't want to listen to that, you know? Just have somebody tell me why they don't need sports or why you don't want sports. So uh, I'm just sort of giving myself a little credibility there. I, I, I know what I'm talking about here, right? Um, unfortunately, and I, and I got to say this, sports... Football, in this case, is not the only diversion in life that sidetrack people, sidetracks people away from what I call the priorities of life. You're going to hear that a couple of times. There are other things that do that as well. I just came back. Uh, we were in D.C. over the for three days this week, National Prayer Breakfast, and I. Some of you know know that I help out with that. Used to do a lot more than what I do now. I don't do that much anymore. But but I'm down there for three or four days and. It's a big deal, and you know you're there with the president and four thousand of his closest friends, and and uh, it's just it's just it's crazy the the things that uh, because I uh, most of my a lot of my friends are working behind the scenes and put, putting the thing on, and actually every year the national prayer breakfast is really put on by Congress. This, it's they, they alternate between the House and the Senate this year. The House hosted it next year. The Senate will host it last year. The Senate hosted it. And then they, and they, they do the, all these different kinds of things, different speakers. You get, you know, after about, it's about two day event. And after about the second day, you're just tired of meetings and tired of hearing political jokes and, and hearing, you know, and, and, and it's, it's kind of cool because it's like one of my international friends told me, they said, you know, what we hear of Washington and of America in other parts of the country, other parts of the world, excuse me, is not what we see here, where they would see Democrats and Republicans who talk about uh, praying together 
Um, not all, but some of them do, and so forth, and some that would probably surprise you. And, and from that part, uh, from that aspect, it is encouraging. I did learn also the definition of politics. Did you know what the definition of politics is? It's the Latin word poly, many, ticks, blood-sucking animals, many, blood-sucking animals. Okay, <laughs> anyway, there you go. Um, a little extra there for you. Got that from a congressman, actually. Um, so anyway, there are many things that we can get obsessed with. No question in Washington, they're breathing their own ether, and they're obsessed with not necessarily all the things they should be in terms of changing our lives for the better, but just power and all the things that go with that. For some, it's sports. For some, it's careers. For some, it's, it's even kids. I want kids to be a priority in your life, but sometimes people can be obsessive about kids. I think we're living, in many cases, in a culture that could, that could almost go overboard in that area. It doesn't mean you should ignore your kids or you shouldn't, uh, shouldn't do things for them and with them that needs to be done, but you can get crazy. Hedonism, just me and my stuff, what I want to do. Here's the thing I want to say. I'm going to say it two or three times. God wants you to stay focused on the priorities of life that matter the most. God wants you to stay focused on the priorities of life that matters the most. And when you do that, you will find blessing and you will find fulfillment. And you need to see that. I want to, what I want to do is, there's a, there's a passage in the Bible, and it uses sports in a positive way to show us how easy it is to get sidetracked. To let something, a diversion, become an obsession or whatever. shows us how easy it is in life. And it's a great passage. And, and, and by the way, you're going to see this. This is written 65, circa 65 A.D. by the, uh, St. Paul. And uh, it's kind of interesting because he's writing to a, a group of people who, li- who live in a place called Corinth, which is in Athens. And they have something. I don't know if I can say this or not. You know, Corinth is an isthmus. And they had what they called. This is the word I can't say very well. Uh, it's kind of like George Bush and nuclear, you know. Uh, it's the Isthmian Games, they called it, which is sort of a precursor to what we know as the Olympic Games. So they understood what he was talking about. So those of you who think we live in a sports-saturated culture, it's been that way for a long, long time. Granted, they didn't have ESPN in 65 AD, but they, they had a lot of sports. So just, just keep that in mind as we read this, and you're going to see it. First Corinthians chapter 9. The New Testament, verse 24. Just follow along. I'll have it on the screen. Remember that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You must also run in such a way that you'll win. I like this. The Apostle Paul likes to win. I like that. Anyway, All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight, watch this, I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I am not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. It's a very controversial passage, actually. And uh, many places in theology school and divinity school and Bible college and seminary and so forth, This is a very debated verse. What does that mean, to be disqualified? Well, this is your lucky day. Because I'm going to spare you all the controversy and all the... I'm just going to tell you what it means, and you're going to know the correct interpretation, okay? So it's that simple. And this great, great day for you, all right? 
correct interpretation of 1 Corinthians 9 and the Super Bowl, all in the same 12-hour period. That's great. All right, here we go. Um, no, I, I, no, seriously, I did. I, mean, I, I, I researched it quite a bit and uh, read a lot of all the different views and uh, did a lot of um, what you call word studies to try to figure this thing out. And I think I got a pretty good understanding of it. And it's not my it's not my interpretation. It's more of the sort of the consensus of of your better scholars over the years. So don't think I came up with it myself. I didn't. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be disqualified? What does it mean that, you know, he gives this whole analogy here, this whole metaphor almost about this, this running and, 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 and boxing even, which was, which was an Olympic sport as well in those days. Um, he says, and, as it still is, and he said, you know, I, I fear that preaching knows I might be disqualified. Obviously, he's speaking in a spiritual sense. And, and, and what does that mean? Now, I'm going to start by telling you what it doesn't mean, first of all. That's always a good thing, a good place to begin, isn't it? It doesn't mean that I will ever be or that I could ever do anything that would disqualify me from the unconditional love of Christ. That, that's not possible. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. It's not possible to be disqualified from the unconditional love of Christ. It's always there. It's always there for all of us. It's an amazing thing as we think about that. It doesn't mean that somehow if we do the wrong thing or if we commit the wrong kind of sin, that somehow our spiritual, quote-unquote, condition will somehow be lost. That somehow that we can get to a point where we have this, whatever you want to call it, spiritual condition or, or new nature or some, some people in, in, in more uh, conservative circles may call it salvation, whatever you want to call it, that somehow you can, you can get to this point and then you do something. You do something really bad. You do one of those, I don't have a Catholic background, what do they, what do they call them, the, the bad ones, the venial, that venial sins? Mortal sins. Okay, sorry, you get them all mixed up. I've probably done most of them, so I don't know. what. what anyway, I don't know, maybe I have, mortal's really bad, isn't it? Like I might be in prison if I'd done a mortal sin, is that right? Okay. So maybe, maybe I haven't committed all of them. But I have in my heart, I can assure you. Um, um, anyway, so, so it says I can, I can get a certain place in this whole thing, in, in this relationship with God, and, and, and really, really kind of feel the blessing of God, or know that I have, the, and then I do, boom, I do this, boom, I'm, I'm, I'm out of it. Is that what he means by being disqualified? No, that's not it at all. Because when you come to Christ, you come to Christ. There's going to be a lot of ups, and there's going to be a lot of downs. And sometimes you're going to be where God wants you to be, and sometimes you're not. And, and that's part of life. And I want you to try to do the best you can, and I want to try to do the best I can and all that. But, you know, that's why Jesus came, and that's why there's this thing called forgiveness, and we're grateful for that. So don't read into that being disqualified as somehow I will somehow be expelled from God's presence or from God's love or God's acceptance or God's forgiveness. That's not at all what he's talking about. What's he talking about? He's talking about, I got three bullet points on this one, which I hope will help. What it is, it's losing the fulfillment of using your God-given gifts and talents. It's getting to the point where there's just, you don't have the ability to use your God-given gifts and talents. You don't have the opportunity possibly, maybe because so much stuff is going on inside, there's all kinds of other garbage going on internally, and you're not able to really feel the fullness of who, and be who you are by God's design. 
That's part of it. Hang on with me for a moment, because that's not totally explanatory in and of itself. It's being so self-dominated that you've become disqualified from the joy of giving. People can get that in that way. They can become so self-dominated that all they think about is themselves. And you know, that's a pretty miserable thing. We've all known people like that. It's interesting. I was talking about this, in, uh, I think, last Sunday night in our, in our, our Bible study that we do here. Um, on Sunday evenings at 6. And it's interesting to me that those biblical qualities that the Bible, those qualities that the Bible holds up are the very same qualities that the worst sinner in the world would still appreciate in people. And by that, I, by that I mean everybody likes a giving person. Everybody likes a giving person. Giving, and what do you mean by that? Giving, I mean a giving person. Does that mean your money? Yeah. Does that mean your time? Yeah. Does that mean give of yourself? Yeah. And it's the total package. And we in the church, too many times, and I want to be fair about this, too many times we talk about the giving aspect because frankly, and we're no different than anyone else, we need money. We have to have money to operate, okay? And we, we emphasize that, but too many times we do that at the expense, I hope we don't do that. We probably don't do that enough, to be perfectly blunt about it. But, but in terms of the whole money situation, but, but sometimes we do that without talking about the other aspect of that. And that is giving and being a giving person isn't just about writing a check. It involves that. But it's also about who I am. It's about giving of myself, being able to help someone who, who, who maybe I work with, maybe a neighbor, maybe somebody I go to church with or whatever it happens to be. So this, this disqualification that the Apostle Paul is talking about, it's, talking about, it's losing the fulfillment of using your God-given gifts and talents. It's being so self-dominated that you just totally miss the joy of, of being a giving person. And by the way, that, that, that in and of itself, being, uh, losing that joy of being a giving person can become such a destructive habit that it can become normal. I mean, people, people can be, here's my point, people can get self-centered and think that's a normal condition. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, as awful as it sounds in terms of a comparison, somebody being in an abusive home. Many times people in an abusive situation almost come to think of that as normal. And we would look at that and say, that's not normal. Don't live like that. Don't put up with that. It's the same thing when you live in sometimes in a self-dominated world, whether it be your home or your own, just yourself. You can just get so, well, I do my own thing all the time. It just becomes normal. That gets pretty pathetic when you think about it. The other thing about this disqualification, it's just missing, it's just missing the blessing of God in your life. The Apostle Paul is saying, I want to be careful. I want to train hard. I want to have some self-discipline because I don't want to miss God's blessing in my life. I don't want to, be, I don't want to get so self-centered that it becomes all about me. That, that's not a good place to be. It may be fun for a little while, but it won't last. I, I, I don't want to get disqualified. I don't want to lose the fulfillment of, of having and being able to use the gifts and the talents that God has given me. So, I want to go back to these verses and just keep those verses up there. Because now, now the question comes up, what are the priorities of life that will keep us on track? What are, the, what are those, those priorities of life that I've been talking about here that will keep us on track? In other words, what do I need to do so that I won't become, quote-unquote, disqualified? What do I need to do? 
Three things, very simple. I mean, these not, again, not a formula, but just three things to think about. Stay focused on values, values of life and of what really matters. Stay focused on the things that really matter. Look what he says in verse 26. Just look on the screen again. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. He says, I stay focused on my goal. What's my goal? To be pleasing to God, to honor my, my God, my creator. Jesus says the most important things in life are what? Jesus said it in Matthew 22. Most important things in life are what? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Stay focused on the values of... Stay focused. Sometimes we need people. Help us stay focused. One of the purposes, I believe, of the church is to help us stay focused. And there are many purposes. But, and, uh, you know, certainly one of them is to watch Super Bowl together. But, 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 another, but another purpose of the church is to help us stay focused. I was just sort of kidding about that. Um, anyway, it is for us at least. Stay focused on values of life. Um, number two. Be quick to sacrifice. Be quick to sacrifice. Not just for any reason, not just to sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice, but be quick to sacrifice, especially when you know that in some way, directly or indirectly, it will honor your God and your Creator. Be quick to sacrifice. Don't be reluctant. You know, the Bible tells us, for instance, that God, in, in, in the next Corinthian book, 2 Corinthians, talks about how God loves a cheerful giver. And, and that's true. I mean, part of the whole thing of giving is it's, it's, it's giving of who I am, of what I am, and of my resources. God loves that. And so, he, he, right here, if you want to keep from getting into that, that state, I call it of disqualification, stay focused on the values of life that really matter, be quick to sacrifice in ways that will honor your God and your Creator. And third thing is this. Find and hang on to your purpose. This is a little more complicated. Look what he says in verse 26. So I run straight to the goal, look at this, with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. Find and hang on to purpose. That might be a process. But you know, everybody needs to understand their purpose. And we all have different purposes in life. What's your purpose for being here? Just exist? I don't think so. Just enjoy sports every now and then? That's great to enjoy sports. But hopefully it's not your only purpose. Give you, I talked to a guy this week. And just I'll be seeing him more. He's the ambassador from Iraq to the UN. And I sat beside him at dinner, and I sat beside him at lunch, and uh, we just got to know each other pretty well, and I said, so what, what's it like? What's it been like for you? I said, I was in London during the Saddam regime. I lost five family members. Every time I would speak about the humanitarian needs in, in Iraq, they would go grab another one of my family members. And he said... I was crying. I'm not going to tell you everything. Some of the things that it just just it just really hard to hear. And um, he said, um, "I said," I'm, and I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, "Bless your brother," you know. And uh, he said, "You need to understand, my life really isn't that much different than many people there." And he just said, "I feel like one of my purposes was to try to bring reform." It's happening very slowly, but 
there's a whole bunch of complications that are not just we can argue about how the war is being fought or whether we should be there or any other kind of stuff. But it's 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 a very difficult situation there. But it really made me stop and think about this guy's got a sense of purpose. And it cost him dearly. Stay focused on values of life that really matter. Be quick to sacrifice. Hopefully it won't be sacrificing like that. And find and hang on to purpose. What is that for you? I don't know how that looks for you. And sometimes it takes a while to figure that out. That's okay. Be on the way. Be on the journey. You know? It's kind of like golf. Sorry, but sports sermon. I can talk about sports. You know, it's kind of like golf. You get on the tee and you hit it all the way off to the right, which is kind of my issue. Hey, you may be, you may be down there in the rough, but you're on your way. You're on your way. It's the same thing about finding your purpose. You get going. And you're going to hit some here and you're going to hit some here. And sometimes you're going to just whiff it. But you're on the way. Okay? And that's what I'm saying here. Think about that. Give some thought. What's my purpose? That's, a, that's an important issue. I mean, some people live their whole freaking lives and they never stop and think about that. That's pretty rough. Well, God, God's not honored by it. He wants you to, to be about that. Doesn't mean you've got to figure it out today or this month or this year. But be about the process. I want to quit. I've got to stop here in a minute. I want to, I want to stop with something else that I heard about and looked it up and found it um, one year ago. Two days before the Super Bowl. We have two teams playing. I guess you know that. Um, Baltimore and, um, I'm sorry, um, old school. Indianapolis and, and, uh, and Chicago. We have, we have, it's a big deal because we have, for the first time in history of the Super Bowl, um, two African-American coaches. I look forward to the day when that's no longer a big deal and people just say there's two great coaches coaching, but it is a big deal because it's never happened before. Both men are strong men, uh, I should say men of strong faith. I've read a little bit about both of them. It's just a pretty amazing story. Tony Dungy, though, may, many of you may know this story and I'm gonna, we're going to look at this and you follow along when this comes from uh, one of the news radio stations in, in Indianapolis from their website. And, and this happened at the Athletes in Action Banquet two days before last year's Super Bowl. They give out an award. They call it the Bart Starr Award to some guy that's done some outstanding things in his community because of his faith or through his faith. And Tony Dungy, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, is just a strong, strong believer, as is Lovey Smith. But last year was a pretty tragic year. And just, just gives you an idea. It's kind of, it, it, without each, dealing with each one of these specific things I've talked about, it gives you some idea of a guy who kind of understands, not kind of, who understands his purpose. So just follow along with me. James Dungy, Tony Jun- Dungy's oldest boy, died three days before Christmas of 05. This was not, that was last Christmas, not this past one, but the one before that. He did, he, he, as he did while delivering James' eulogy in December, Dungy on Saturday, this is last year, Saturday before the Super Bowl, one day, I'm sorry, before the Super Bowl, Dungy spoke of him eloquently and steadily speaking of lessons learned and of the positives taken from experience. Quote, it was tough and it was very, very painful, but as painful as it was, there were some good things that came out of it, Dungy said, his, his son's death. Dungy also said he was asked how he, he was able to return to the Colts so quickly after James' death. James died on December the 22nd. Dungy returned to the team one week later. Dungy said the answer was simple. Quote, people ask me, how did you recover so quickly? Dungy said, I'm not totally recovered. I don't know that I ever will be. 
It's still very, very painful, but I was able to come back because of something one of my good Christian friends said to me that after the funeral. You know James accepted Christ into his heart, so you know he's in heaven, right? I said, right, I know that, he said. So with all you know about heaven, if you had the power to bring him back now, would you? When I thought about it, I said, no, I wouldn't. I would not want him back with what I know about heaven. That's helped me through the grieving processes. Because of Christ's Spirit in me, I had the confidence that James is there at peace with the Lord, and I have the peace of mind in the midst of something that's very, very painful. That's my prayer today, that everyone in this room would know the same thing. God wants us to stay focused on the priorities of life that matter the most. Our relationship with Him because that takes into consideration everything else we do. Let's pray together. Let me get the band to come up. Thank you, Lord, for these, these things to think on. Thank you, God, for being present with us as we just stop and sit back and ponder and meditate. Maybe take some of this food for thought with us to think about later, to talk about with friends, family, mate, whatever. God, I pray that we would think through it. I pray that we would especially think through our relationship with you because that affects everything else that we do. We thank you for Jesus who came and lived and suffered and died, rose again to give us life, not just eternally, but abundantly. And we thank you for that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.